Welcome to Bond's Backyard's first official podcast. Been practicing this thing for a little while now. No one's got to hear anything because there hasn't been any good. There's a reason why it wasn't released because <laughs> it was crap. But having a bit, ha- been having a little bit of a crack at this Bond's Backyard thing over the last sort of couple of months. I don't really know what it's supposed to be yet. I'm just having just a go at doing something outside of work, something a bit of a passion project, you know. Um, and I've got the pleasure of welcoming to the podcast. One of the all-time great purveyors of shit chat, also known as a former Brisbane Raw player, a bloke who's got the highest score in stand-up cricket in the last decade, but also the man responsible for nearly killing the two of us in a car accident seven years ago, Karen Kastani. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Oh, doing good, mate. As good as I could be on a, a Friday evening. It's a Friday evening, and we're in the middle of Supercoach time, actually, and we were just talking about the footy before, but you're not even in Supercoach finals, mate. It's disappointing. No, but I'll just bring it back to that earlier remark you made of me scoring the highest runs in, in okay. standard cricket in the past decade, and how it must just be embarrassing that my highest score is also bigger than your accumulated total in the last decade. That's not <laughs> inaccurate, I would say. I Look... For people who are aware, Camo, 206, 200, what was that? 206, not out, just put oh that out there. Oh my God. Off about, I think it was like maybe 120 balls, maybe? That would have to, nah, that doesn't sound real. And it didn't seem real when I opened up my cricket that day mm. and I saw Cameron Cristani, 206. Had many of those remarks. I was Middleton, one of those yeah, remarks. Yeah, I was like, this for a start, it's not real. And I was, mm. second of all, I was like, this, this isn't camo. He's not that good at cricket. He started playing when he was about 17. Mm. And now you're 24 and you've got three or four tons to your name. Mm. I've got one, which I hit the other day. Yeah. Shout out to myself. Shout out to yourself. Shout out to myself. It was a good ton to be a part of. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, it was good to see you out early so I could hit more runs than you and get my own ton. That's just the kind of guy I am, just nice and generous. <sighs> yeah, look, that's questionable. But camo, we're here today... Just to have a quick yarn, I guess you're the you're the only mate that I have, not in general, I do have some other friends, <laughs> but you are the only mate that I have who's been a professional athlete, which I think is a, a really cool achievement, especially coming from a small town like Stanthorpe. I mean, mm. we grew up together, we've known each other for a long time. Like I said before, we were nearly killed in a car accident, which you were 100% responsible for. So we've been through quite a lot. I- it's not 100%. We went the way you wanted to go. Yeah, true. I mean, like, I pointed us on the route which got us into the car accident. Yeah. But, mate, you're and, behind the wheel. But we just did the Red Shield door knock appeal. Like, we were just trying to do our bit. Just got our free Macca's burger. Like, life was good. It was good. It, Nearly turned upside down. We literally did go upside down. <laughs> literally a couple times. But we'll get into that one. We'll get into that one a, a little bit later. Mm. But, mate, so how is Peninsula going at the moment? So you're playing in the NPL. Yeah. It's been through covid you know, where, where, yeah, where's Peninsula at at the moment? Where are you guys out at the table and how's everything going there? Um, I think when you touched on with COVID, I think it's like everything is um, a bit of a testing time and, and we just started our season probably three or four games into it and then COVID shut it down. Um, it was a really weird period of the life, like not knowing whether you're going to come back or there was a lot of talk about we just bin the season and, and not come back. Um, but then gradually gained momentum that we were going to start the season again and and it kind of got you up after about six eight weeks of drinking you're like geez i need to do something i need to do something really hard here like uh, i really need to work but just that motivation for that initial probably six weeks of training when you could only do a couple of people at a time you couldn't have big groups and whatnot Um, and then once we got back together as a team um you're just like yep finally we're starting to go starting to go um 
and then we kind of we changed formation um, during that period, and we worked on it for about eight to ten weeks, and we played against East and lost against them, and, and we weren't really happy about how the way we went about it and whatnot, and went back to our old formation, and and since then we haven't looked back, and we've won I think six on the trot now, and we're sitting in first place with oh, the game in hand, so. Um, and we've probably con- I think we conceded one goal in, in six games or something So and you must be proud of that fact I guess playing centre back now and I think mm. for anyone who's friends with you on Facebook probably wouldn't have missed that you've been in a few teams of the week yeah. um, so you must be proud of that defensive effort that you guys are putting in mm. do you guys have like you know, I guess the whole team must be fully up for now bringing home a championship and how, how many more rounds are there and how close are we to finals yeah so um, I think one of the big points that drew me to Penn Power were the fact that they want to win things and, and they're very professional in the way they go about it. Um, so obviously winning is, is something that everyone wants to do but it's not achievable and I think it's very achievable with the group we've got, um, the players and, and the coaching staff and the facilities we've been provided and if we just continue to build and, and whatnot, like we'll get there. Um, we're playing midweek games as well along the way. To, to try and to catch, catch up. up on the yeah, fixtures. So yeah, so they're now talking instead of an original season finishing in September we're now finishing November yeah so um, I think every second week we'll be playing a midweek game so three yeah. games in a week um, which means you've got to have a good squad around you otherwise it's injury central and, and whatnot so I think uh, start of November is probably the like end of season and then two weeks of finals and then that's it and then beyond that I don't know what they're going to do with next season how later they yeah. start and what because November is usually when you start pre-season. Oh, right, so. Okay. so it is, yeah. I mean, just like every other league, just not in Australia, obviously, but globally. Mm. I mean, the fixtures are being pushed out. They're being caught up midweek. Like we've seen, we saw that in the Premier League. We've seen it in the mm. basketball when they've come back and they're doing the COVID bubble. Even the NRL was shortening it to twenty rounds. The AFL had that AFL frenzy where they played like so many games in a short period of, yeah. period of time. Yeah. Who who's going to be the main? Who are the main rivals for for you guys? Do you think coming into to finals time, who's who's going to be right up there that you expect to see in the grand final? I think um, you probably you, you obviously got to throw ourselves in the mix for the grand final, but then you've got like Olympic, um, Gold Coast Knights, Lions, and then you just got a couple of like I guess uh, dark horses in the competition that can kind of pop a result anywhere, and you got like. You're like Brisbane City and, and like Gold Coast United and yep. stuff. So a lot of teams are, um, you intend to beat them, but um, they're just popping results up every now and then, just beating teams that, like last week, Sunny Coast Wanderers beat Gold Coast Knights. So bottom beat second, mm. so, and beat them 4 1. So. Yeah. Um, so it's, just, it's quite an yeah. even league all around there from top to bottom. Like you're playing competitive football week on week. I mean, that's, I mm. guess that's what's happened now since. Football Queensland have moved into that promotion relegation. It's mm. not like you're not going to get the stragglers at no. the bottom of an MPL ladder who are just going to get beaten week on week because you're going to like you're going to get relegated if that's yeah. going to happen. And you're going to bring in the next most competitive teams. Yeah. So have you found out this season that most yeah. of the competitions been quite even? I think you found maybe at the start of the season. I think actually you find now that post COVID, well we're still in COVID, but post that break, is everything's come a lot closer than what it was prior to those four games prior there was teams losing five six seven nil right and now we've come back in after COVID and and teams are losing three two or two one and getting like I said before results you don't expect to get but that's also aided by the fact that MPL Victoria's not gone ahead and now like they've shut down their season so now teams up here are signing players on loan which of my understanding it doesn't affect the points salary cap that's in the league oh right okay so there's a 
a lot of Queensland-based players that were down there have now come up to here and are now filtering into teams. Right. So have you have you had have you had any additions to your squad um, since the only uh, one we've had is Andy Pengelly because he's yeah. playing in the, over in Singapore and so he's come back and he originally signed with us before he went over mm-hmm. there on that pro deal. So he's come back to us, but we haven't had anyone else. But like um, the big like the other big teams like Olympic and Gold Coast Knights and Lions, they've like. A, got a couple of players in and yeah. strength are there a few still like big names that are running around in in yeah. the NPL like a few former A-League guys that you are coming up against yeah well, um, like Solazano that played with the Roar and, uh, yeah. and um, Mitch Nichols who'd been around many teams yeah I saw him on a, he was on a team he was on a team of the week yeah the so he week. plays at Gold Coast Knights he has yep. for the last couple of years he's quality you got um, Matt did Mitch Smith. Nichols get a did he get a Socceroos Cap, I feel like you might have got a couple. He, he probably did. Yeah, I mean yeah. he was handy. He, or he was played, handy in like the prime raw days. Well, he's like, played like a good couple hundred A League games, yeah. so you know he's he's got to be a decent footballer yeah. if he's done that. Um, but he's quality. Um, you got like Matt Smith's still floating around the league. Oh yeah. Um, Michael Thwaite and uh, Shane Smeltz are both playing at Gold Coast United. Oh far out. Yeah. So like they've there's... the A League's second all time top goal scorer. Shane yeah, Smeltz. Shane Smeltz. He like... must be pretty old, but he'd have to be forty, wouldn't he? He'd be uh, maybe like thirty eight or something, something yeah. like that, I reckon. But he's can still score goals. Still sniffs out a goal, I imagine. Yeah, always played for New Zealand, like the national team, yeah. and, and played many a goal, like scored many goals, like you said yeah. in, in the A League. So and I guess no matter how old you are, you still got that eye for goal. It's just that you can't run. Yeah, so, you know, and well, I can't then, run. Yeah. I'm 24, but you know. <laughs> that's yeah. good, mate. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll um we'll wind back to more NPL stuff later, like around your Western Pride stuff. But we just want to take this all the way back to to the start now. For anyone mm. who doesn't know, you know, Cameron Cristani, the Cristani family, about you know your journey from the granite belt to professional football, granite Cristani, as they called you in your debut, which we were all cheering about at home. Yeah, tell us a little bit about. Growing up in Stanthorpe, you know, your family situation, what your parents do, and I guess like where your original love for football originated. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I've got a family of seven, four brothers. Big um, family. Big family. Uh, five boys all together. Five. That's uh, insane. Six including Frank, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, six including <laughs> poor, the old man. Yeah, yeah that's poor, it. Poor Sonja. And Sonja's one of the boys too. Yeah, one of the lads. Um, <laughs> they have, um, and mum and dad um, own and run their own produce company. Primarily, uh, primarily Broccoli is the mainstay and then work between the two like work between something else um, whether it's leeks or whatnot. so um, grew up on the farm um, family run farm don't employ anyone external and whatnot. Uh, so three older brothers just played soccer or football as you call it um, before me and just in the backyard I guess that's just how I how fell into it my family played it dad played it and whatnot. so just fell into it that way and started playing when I was about five um, in stand-up junior soccer association um, and the thing is though like it wasn't like it was just five boys who just sort of kicked the ball around in the backyard as a, as a bit of a mm. joke like you and all f- like all five of you together are, mm. are quality footballers mm. and I, th- I guess you often see when when like an athlete does eventually sort of become professional and you sort of you know peek into their backstory there's like mm. oh they're their dad used to play in the NRL or like, oh, they had a grandfather who used to mm. play cricket for Queensland or something. There's always seems to be like, there's something involved in that really early stage development, yeah. which is like, okay, mm. there's a reason why this bloke was pretty good. And for me, well, I mean, it's quite obvious for all of us who played soccer in Stanford, there was one Cristani in basically every age group yeah. and they were all a gun. Like yeah. it was, so your, your games of football in the backyard, they weren't just like someone dominating the rest of you. It oh, was no, like, no, 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 that's no. five quality footballers yeah. going at each other in the, in the backyard. Yeah, like um, 
I guess if we were closer in age and um, and had the ability to like, and I guess if the pathways were there earlier, I reckon my brothers would have gone further than what they did. Yeah. But I just think the pathways weren't there established, especially for a country kid. Um, you either had to be in, like, I guess, in a Toowoomba Grammar or Harristown or something, or yeah. you'd have to be in Brisbane to get somewhere. But um, unfortunately for them, the, their pathways weren't there. Because obviously, uh, we won't, we, we'll get to Southwest eventually, but did your brothers, like, have... I know Andy played, like, yeah, Southwest, so but, I think, like, did Simon and Mark... What were the rep opportunities that were available that they might have missed I think out on? later on, maybe when they were probably, like, 20, <clears throat> 24 and 26 or something, like Mark and Simo, um, they played Southwest, but yeah. it was back in, the, I think, the old QSL days. So, yeah, right. um, but Southwest get pumped, I guess, in that, and so there wasn't really... You wouldn't really go any further nah. than that, and I guess you needed to tap on the shoulder if you wanted to go further, and you needed someone to guide you there, but I guess it wasn't yeah. really anyone. I think in, like, I guess... The like, football Queensland has obviously restructured like mm. a number of times the development pathways, mm. but I think now it's actually been a really positive thing seeing a team like Southwest Queensland Thunder yeah. get involved in those higher leagues of yeah. Queensland football. They're not they're not in the NPL. No, at the no moment, but they're top of the QPL. So right, so they're, like that's great for Toowoomba yeah. going down to football. Yeah. So in terms of your own development, obviously, mm. like I remember playing junior soccer with you at like the earliest age. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was clear to a lot of us at the start that, you know, there's always like a gun player in each age group, yeah, right? And yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, camo's pretty handy. And I remember like at training, we'd um, we'd always try and take you out because it was like, if we're, <laughs> we're going to get shown up by someone, it's going to be camo. So yeah. let's, you know, let's take him out. And this is like, I was, this is in like the young days, like sort mm. of, I remember like under eights and nines just being like, fuck, I'm so jealous of this bloke because <laughs> he, can, he can play. Yeah. Um, but... You know, when it's not often you see, like it, it could be in any sport, you know, from mm. a small town, you know, you've got your best player playing in the cricket team where you've got yeah. someone who's good at rugby league. Mm. It's not very often that, you know, a representative pathway, you know, begins and is sort of completed. But where did it start f- for you? What was the first yeah. rep team yeah. that you sort of made um, your way into? Well, obviously, like like you said, we had the Stanford rep team and we and we built on that. And I think we only lost two carnivals from the age of five to 12. Mate, we were pretty handy. Yeah, so we only lost two carnivals in that time and the other times we made a semi and, and lost in a final. So, yeah. I mean, like we had a good bunch of boys there and, and whatnot. Um, but then I think the first opportunity came with Darling Downs and made um, made shadow for that. And I was like, oh, must be like handy enough. This, like, is, uh, this is under 12s. Oh, under, under 11s under at that 11s, stage. But yeah. It was, yeah, it was for under 12s, but I was 11 at that stage. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then I was like, oh, must be kind of handy enough. And, and mum and dad, I guess, obviously saw that. And having Andrew play with Southwest couple of years before that in the development side they're like oh chance our arm and so see how we go go. so then i think i went up with like lucky gavin and alex bell um and we went and trialed in toowoomba for the under 12s and um i made development that year originally and lucky made the top side and then i was sitting at having dinner with mum and dad and the coach calls me and goes oh how would you feel like if you're playing like the the um, jpl side it was that back in the day Yeah, yeah and i was like Oh hell yeah, mum and dad's like, what's going on? Like I was like, I probably should let you speak to mum and dad first before I make that commitment, I guess. So that's kind of where it started, and then I made the darling down side as well that year, and and you made the possibles probables with me. Yeah, year. that's right. I have and a funny yarn also just about this. Um, you getting called up into the top team, which you may not even know about, but one bloke who's a, mu- Venn, a mutual yeah. fr- a mutual friend of ours, if he's listening, Michael Van Gen, always tells me every time he's like, you know, I pulled out. That's mm. why Camo got the call up, and he reckons. 
he's the reason why you turn into a professional footballer. So yeah. shout out, shout out Goonie shout if you're listening. Shout out to Goonie. Shout out to Goonie. <laughs> yeah. So, Friend um, of the podcast. So yeah, from that, like made um, Southwestern and that. And then I think it really kicked off um, when I was 14. So uh, this is when... So we're obviously into high school now and you've been yeah. out of the loop of what, you know, our rep team was. So we obviously continued just playing in our yeah, stand-up competition stand-up comp- yeah. um, and we were still going along to rep carnivals and I, I guess even without the uh, the JPL guys, because obviously you and Belly and Lockie were playing mm. JPL, we were still, yeah, we were Winning. still carving up. Like yeah. it was, that's that was sort of the depth of, of our, you know, little stand-up soccer team when it yeah. came to playing carnivals and mm. um but it got to in, in high school where it was clearly starting to take like another leg up. And this is when in under fourteens you made the Queensland Metro side. Is yeah, that, that's yeah. that's where that kicked off. So tell us about I guess how you made it into that team in the first place and then you guys went to Canberra for the yeah. national title. So um with that I made um got asked to go trial. I was playing striker for Southwest at that stage. Yeah, right. And I was scoring a, a goal a game and it was halfway through the season. Like, and we were losing 7-1 or, I don't know, 10-1 and stuff. And I was just like, God, God this actually Classic sucks. Classic Southwest. Like, you know. Um, but, yeah, I was scoring a goal a game and I got invited to trials at Cleveland. So, Tuesday afternoon, stand up to Cleveland for a good couple of months. And um, they go, oh, we've got too many strikers. And I was like, oh, what do you, you bought me here for? Yeah, like, right. like, this, like, are you guys kidding yourselves? Like... Um, but then they like, well, we'll give you a go at center back. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll have a go. And I kept training there for like the next month or so. And then they told me I made it center back. And I was like, oh, like center back must be easy. Then, yeah. Not that's, there. that's an interesting transition. For, yeah. Like you hear about professional footballers who are like, oh, I used to be this. And then mm. I became this. It's usually in the form of like a goalkeeper. Who's like, I yeah. really wanted to play in this position, but yeah. nah, you're going to have to be in goal, mate. And mm. next minute you're Luigi Buffon. And yeah. You're carving up. But yeah, they, they put me at centre-back and um, from there, just kept training at centre-back and, and right-back. So I made the Queensland Metro team, which I got notified by a letter and mum bought the letter in high school and I was like, oh, that's, that's sick. Like, that's mad. Yeah, that's, Cheers, that's sweet. So we went to Coffs Harbour um, for the for the, like nationals, um, played there and I th- like... I think nine of the boys in the team made like the the all star squad. Yeah, right. So what you like? There were a couple of names in that fourteen squad. Was there anyone who you ended up sort of going on to raw youth with, or anyone who's gone on to other A League or anything that was in um, that fourteens? In my age group, I think there was like Jordan Thurtell played like with the His young Australians. Right? Yeah, yep. so played like young Socceroos and and Shannon Brady was at the raw and and whatnot. Um, but I think a lot of them just kind of fizzled away. I okay. think like they got pushed so hard in footballers when they were younger and they just kind of fell out of love with the game. Well, I can imagine it would have been... I can imagine that situation happening for a lot of those blokes. This is obviously the Queensland Metro side. So they're mm. in Brisbane and they're like top of their game in the junior football yeah. in Brisbane. And you can imagine how, like the high stress of that and like I guess like family is really pushing you. Yeah, and then Whereas, like to school and playing for school as well. Yeah, but like they're playing... They're playing whatever like nine a's or something mm. in school and it's like yeah they don't have a farm to go back to they yeah. don't have like i mean you obviously had the i guess the not necessarily the pressure but mm. like i guess the stress you get away from it all that's right back to stand you could get out of there and mm. and you know we're, we'd all be at home yeah. like you know when you're coming back from yeah. training that it's like well we don't yeah. none of us are like you know trying to yeah, beat you was, into the team or yeah, anything no one's smashing me because i like didn't make a team or made a team so yeah um a lot of them made it and then i found out when we were down there there was a thing called the queensland academy of sport which i n- never knew about i didn't know anything about yeah. it got invited to trial there and i was lucky enough 
I made it there and I was did, a, did a few of did it like sort of most of that team um, go through to I think it was about like six of us and then later on they filtered through later on but like in that initial intake for the first year like there was only yeah, like six or seven so the reason why because obviously you guys were basically a Queensland representative side mm. when you went into QAS was it at a different age like was it at, like technically so, an older age group so why was only sort of six taken rather than like the whole well, sort of team because um a lot of the other boys went to AIS, so it's oh, right, they went up. sport. Yeah, yeah. So then, going from the metro side, it was just a representative side. It wasn't really anything. But then, QAS was more you play there for the season instead of playing for Southwest and yes, whatnot. Yeah. And then you played in the under nineteen um, QSL or whatever it was back in the day. So yeah. you're fourteen, fifteen playing in in that. And then they had a senior team that played in the men's competition. Um, so then that was what four times a week to Brisbane plus game. Yeah, I think this is the yeah, this is obviously this is the point where it really kicked off. So mm. we obviously saw you go away to the nationals mm. and we're like, all right, so Camo's made like that's the first serious rep team. Like that's more than just mm. Southwest. Like this is this is the real deal. Mm. And then it became all right, well we're not gonna see Camo from lunchtime from mm. twelve you know, from twelve, 12 o'clock. 30, yeah. Go on. Monday to Thursday. Mm. And that was that was the rest of your high school. And before yeah, before we get to raw youth, mm. it was like, well, you know, this is this is a serious investment now. Like you're yeah. traveling to Brisbane four times a week, like mm. just for training, and just for just training. training. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell yeah, tell us about I guess, yeah, what was it? You know, what was the structure of playing for for QAS and how many mm. yeah how many years did you sort of do that for? Yeah. Um, and then we'll yeah I guess we'll get well, to raw youth after that. Before that, like going to the nationals with the Queensland Metro side, I was actually invited to go on that Italian trip. Oh, yeah, I, had to, yeah. I came at a crossroad where I had to make a decision of whether I could come to Italy for two weeks or go yeah, to the Nationals. Yeah, with us for our But I was trip. still trialling at that stage mm. and luckily enough that came off and I was like, thank God. I'd yeah. be pissed if I didn't make it and then didn't get to go to Italy. Yeah. Um, but QAS, it was, yeah, we were in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, so I stayed at school all Wednesday, but luckily enough, sport was on Wednesday hours, so was no classes, great Crying. for me. I'm not academic, as you know, but um, then Thursday Thursday, Friday, back up there, and then Saturday for a game. So it was yep. just leave school at 12.30, get back at 9.30 at night. Generally, Dad would drive. Um, and then when I got my L's, I drove and got my 100 hours. Good yeah, hours, like two months. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that, we just, um, I think it was more we'd train most of the year. Yeah. Then at the end of the year, we'd go down to NTC and play against all the other institutes down at the AIS. Yeah. Um, and we won it the second year I went down there. They, the curriculum came in, it's like a playing style and point style. Yeah, so we right. came like first on playing style because we were playing to the curriculum that FFA wanted and whatnot. I didn't. I, I never realised yeah. that such a thing. So was... we came first on that and then second on points. Um, and then we we beat New South Wales like five one in the final. Style of football, isn't that yeah. weird? Yeah. You, so... Like, what do you remember any of like the criteria of what it oh, meant it was to more be just a like, style? Because it was when um, FFA and the soccer is going through that whole thing of you must play out all the time. You got to get your midfielders on the ball. I didn't, I didn't realise that, like, this Dutch system was just being thrown, you know, straight in your faces mm. from an early age. Yeah, like through QAS, like through every institute and everything, like FFA, head honchos down, wanting us to play that, I guess, Gus hitting away, like, four three three system, centre-backs can't lump a ball. I mean, there was two years where I didn't play a long ball as a centre-back, and it's crazy when you look at it now, I'm playing long balls for fun, but <laughs> um, just trying to get it out of my feet, but... It really made you, I guess that developed my side of the game where I could pass and, and play short balls and everything. But mm. it was always play and keep playing. But when you look at it from a, a winning point of view, 
you're overplaying and you're, and you're feeding into other teams' hands. Yeah. But, but that's the way they wanted us to play. They wanted us to always play into the, the holding midfielder or always play to our fullback. Or, and you turn the ball over, concede a goal, and it's like, you know, clap, clap, freaking well done. Like, you conceded a goal, and it's like, that was the new norm of my life, um, playing out at every cost and, and trying to find a way to play. And, and it probably helped me, but I'm, I think over the time, I just... The amount of goals that we I, can I really see. wonder, like, how many other national systems are, are, yeah, are playing to, like, a standardised style of football. I can't imagine no. Brazil, France, Spain. Like, if you talk about, like, Brazilian football and what they call, like, yoga bonito, like, beautiful football. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like, playing, like, free. Like, that's playing okay. off, like, off a whim. And, like, obviously, there's some supremely talented players mm. and the football so deeply embedded in yeah, the culture, yeah, yeah. like... They can have the freedom to do that, yeah. But it just it just seems that sounds just so mechanic and like robotic that yeah. And, there's and, a, like there's a reason why the Socceroos haven't had like a whole lot of success. And, and it's funny you say the the robotic thing because coaches turn around and go, "We're doing this passing pattern." And it's just constantly doing. It. And they go, "I don't want you to be robots. Like I don't want you to continually do the you're same like, thing." Mate, but I'm I feel like, like a robot. But like I, you're telling me we're doing the same thing. I get the ball from the keeper. I play it to my right back. I get the ball from the keeper. I play it to a six. And I'm like, how are we not robots? Like, yeah, it's like stifling yeah. the kind of creativity and like innovation. Yeah, that that's the difference between like a, a team like Australia, who's mm. you know regularly between like thirty and sixty in the world yeah. rankings. Yeah, and anyone higher because well, they don't they and and with that style, like you said, like they they're stifling talent. Like the players would get crucified for dribbling a ball. Yeah, I was like, well, what's your winger meant to do? Just not beat a player. Like that's a defender's dream. If your winger's just going to get the ball and just go, oh, I'm just going to pass it somewhere else. You're like. No, job yeah. done. Where's like, where's like where is yeah. like the encouragement or like the safe to fail element of yeah. like just you know use your skill to beat mm. your opponent like yeah. it's safe football to, to to keep passing it around mm. all the time but like I think that was my downfall they just took away all my talent <laughs> yeah like, maybe oh, they should have had yeah they should have had you back up front mate scoring yeah, goals yeah. Oh, god damn so when so you had. So this is obviously QAS and you're being, mm. you know, taught this system. Mm. When, like, exactly how did it transition between QAS and Brisbane Raw? Because there mm. was, like, some overlap there for a little bit. But where did where yeah. did Brisbane Raw first, um, you know, start talking to you? I think, yeah, when I was maybe 15 or so. But prior to that, I, I actually was in a period of my life where I actually started hating football. Um I was like, this just seems like a task, like constantly and, and whatnot. And Driving to Brisbane yeah, for days just, a week. It, it kind of seemed like that. And not, and I think we were lucky enough, um, Chris Brennan or Singe was at the AFL with the Lions Stand, Academy. Stand the Boy. Yeah, Stand the Boy was in the Lions Academy. And I yeah, almost convinced myself and, and partially convinced my, my parents that I could go that different avenue. And because I was a long distance runner and whatnot, I almost went and went to the Lions Academy just with no AFL background, just purely from the athletic um, perspective I almost went to AFL um, but I was glad I didn't because later that year like you said I got I got invited um, to go on trial at the Raw um, and I didn't know Raw Youth was a thing um, just like didn't know QAS was a thing my parents were like oh, what's the Raw Youth like, yeah, yeah. what's this it's not Stanthorpe United it's <laughs> like or South West like, like what's this this is something different and um, so I think yeah, it was like me and Jordan Lambie both 15 I think at that stage and, and the other boys were 16 or 17 and like our, our crop kind of got invited into into there and, and train and train for a while and and I think yeah the head coach John Simon originally didn't offer me a, a playing contract but offered me a, a training contract so I just had to be there and, and train and whatnot and with the um, 
option to be selected yeah if they needed me was it more like an excuse me Mm. was it more like an option to be like selected at any point or was Mm. like this is an incentive and in you know if he you know if you play well for this many months you'll get Mm. selected or if it was just like mate you could be called upon Uh, at any point it was like if you're in the training squad, you're a registered player and you can play. Like, yeah, if someone okay. was sick, you could play and whatnot. Um, but that didn't guarantee, did that not guarantee a youth contract? It was still like just a training right, contract. Just training so, like, yeah. and, and they could just go, oh, we don't want you here anymore and see you later. Yeah. No money's exchanged, no nothing. No risk um, to them. Yeah, just a player that they might think has a little bit about them, but not an, not enough for a contract at this stage. Yeah. Um, then yeah, I was lucky enough. We like had an induction and got told like you can't match fix, you can't like um, do this, no drugs. Like Asada had all that big conversation, yeah. and obviously, mum and dad had driven me there for that because I was still underage and whatnot. And little of my knowledge, the the head coach had had a um, conversation with mum and dad, and I was I got into the car and mum and dad were like congratulations. I'm like, like for what? Like I've just come out of a meeting. Like what? What am I being congratulated? Like I got a jacket. Like that's cool. I could have gone and bought one at Rebel if I wanted to. Like, um, they go, congratulations. And I was like, what are you on about? And they're like, you don't know, do you? And I was like, no one's told me bloody like, anything. Like, are you kidding me, mum? Where's the chocolate slice? Like, um, and then they go, I oh, know, like you've been offered a, a youth contract. And I was like, what? Like, and you know, I was like, holy shit. Like, this, is, this is make-believe. This team's not real. Like, that's that's a pinch yourself. Yeah. Like, I just sat there in the XR6 at, at um, Olympic because that's where we were training at that stage. And I was just like, nah and i was like nah but um so did it did it like did it take like a while to sort of sink in that you were now part of a professional organization or did it was it by the end of the car trip or was like you still had to go to training and i still i don't think it really sunk in at any stage like like i said i didn't think that they existed like i didn't think this franchise existed i didn't think this had happened and then i sit down and i look through a contract and start signing my name and then they start talking money and i'm like money's involved i Mum and dad don't have to pay for me to do this. Yeah. Like this is this is money coming into my pocket. Go, okay, Jesus. Like this is starting to get like something crazy, like something for real. This is this is now like you're yeah. in the professional football realm now. Yeah, and like I'm I'm involved in something pretty cool. Um and then so I was only, I think it was only like sixty bucks a week or or some it was a small figure of money, but it's still money to play, right? Yeah. Um and that season I was playing with like like Luke Bratton was in the in the team all the time. Like Rocky Visconti, like Corey Brown, James Donachey, Matt Acton. Like these players are well established A League players now. But I was a 15, 16 year old kid playing in a um, youth league setup. So we'd play one home game, one away game against every A League club. So we'd stay over in for four places away trips. We'd stay away, but then like for the Sydney games or um, I think maybe Melbourne games, we flew in same day of the game. And flew, and then flew back home. So this was happening by the time you're actually getting on the field playing games in raw youth. Was mm. this in year eleven or was this in year twelve? Like at what point? No, year eleven it was. Year so, eleven you yeah. started to get so games. End, yeah. end of grade ten, uh, grade eleven. I, yep. I think it was. Yeah. So, um, and I think I played almost every game that season. It was an eighteen game season, and then you went in and played. Um, you played in the NPL when they brought that in. Um, so you're you're playing all year round kind of thing, and the first couple of years I got contracts, and then Jeff Hopkins came in as a a coach and decided that he didn't want to give me a youth contract, but wanted me to stay on as a youth player, and I was like, oh, all right, like it's kind of weird, like I've played two full seasons here, um, and then he brought in a a kid that played left back, and after the first twenty five minutes of the first game, he dragged him off the field, and he didn't play again, and I and 
you and were back in there up, again. Ended up being in, in the squad again, and I didn't. So there was a moment there where you were were you questioning like well, whether you were sort done. of yeah you thought it was done yeah I thought like done like here you go like whatever it would have been so unceremonial as well because you were like you're still there like you're basically gone back to where you were when you were you know. 15 and you'd sign that mm. you know train deal yeah. and it's like okay i played like two full seasons now yeah and now you're gonna go and put me on a train yeah deal yeah. like yeah like it just it didn't make sense to me and i was like but so you still want me to be part of the squad but you don't want to pay me for my services <sighs> and, and stuff so but he ended up um regretting his decision in the end because i ended up getting a contract again halfway through the year yeah. so um and then from then old coach came back in kept playing Found out I had a first degree AV block during that time. Tell us about this. Yeah, tell us about this AV condition. Like, when did you know that you had this? Because it's a heart problem, right? Yeah. So, when yeah. did you find that out? And did it have like a, an impact on your football at this point? Um, it was in grade 12. We went to a ski trip and that virus went through our cabin and. Um, it wasn't the coronavirus. No, no, it didn't have virus. Yeah. Um, no, so. Yeah, we um, had that virus and when I went to throw up, I just passed out. And it's happened to me probably a couple of times and it's just like, oh, I'm just sick kind of thing. Um, and then I went and signed the contract for that next year and we did a medical and it was like, oh, anything you want to talk about? And I was like, oh, just Look, I've been, I've been like, passing out. I've been passing out when I throw up. Like, and he goes, oh, right, like, get your heart tested. And I was like... Like, I'm not the smartest man, but I was like, surely that's got to do with my brain. It doesn't have anything to do with my heart, right? Um, cost me about three grand in testing. Um, cardiac MRI, fucking, like, pretty much just everything they could get me through, like, 24-hour tests and everything. Um, and originally, they thought I needed a pacemaker, and mum's back in Stanthorpe, and I'm telling her, she's stressing balls, and I'm just like, mum, I can only tell you so much as much as what I know. And yeah. it, it took me probably two or three weeks to get through that testing and I and from the moment I got tested I couldn't play and it was the first three weeks of that season of the youth league so I couldn't play and then um yeah I just found out so can you, can you yeah can you describe what like what was actually it's, sort of an like what was actually impacting what what was happening in yeah. your heart that was it's, it's they're just stressing them out with um, those tests pretty much just just uh, irregular heartbeat they say yeah okay. it is and, and it's found within athletes and they just just coincidentally that just when that happens it just might skip a beat or something and I just pass out when it, when it just too yeah, much gets yeah, okay. put on it and whatnot. So yeah, it went from um you might need a pacemaker to just get a checkup and I had the checkup like five like started this year, which was five years later and he reckons it's it's probably progressing better than what they thought. So it's just have fine. you had any incidents that have been No, they talk about yeah, they talk about like whether you get like dizziness or anything like that, but I don't really get any of that. So except when you're on the piss. Oh yeah, well that and, <laughs> and just when I can't breathe from running because I'm fat. But that's beside the point. No, that's all. It's all fine for me now. Um, and then you touch on other things like um, 2015. I did my MCL, um, and that was just before Liverpool had come over to play the A League side. And that was, a, I guess it was a really heart-wrenching moment for me because Liverpool's like my favourite team. team and um, knew that they were coming over and I knew that I had an involvement in the squad for that and I was meant to go on a three-week holiday and we were playing against Southwest in Toowoomba and I was on the bench and I was just on the bench just because it was Southwest old club and I was captain of the youth team so they just wanted me to be there. And one of the boys gets cramps about 60 minutes in and, and subbed me on because he was a, a fullback and I went and played centre-back and... 
I mean, I reckon it was the, probably the best I'd been tackling. Like, I was actually winning balls in tackles. Like, it's strange for me. I was actually winning <laughs> the ball. I was playing well. And um, I just went in for a block challenge and my left foot kind of hit and come through and I just sat down subconsciously and it just felt a sharp pain. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, went over the sideline and the physio starts doing testing and stuff. ACL's fine and then does another testing. It's like, oh, that's not good. And yeah. I was like, no. Please, and no. I was like, I'm going to start running again. He's like... Go and stand up, start running. And I Good went to start running and just knee buckles inside. And later on, fine. Like it's like the highest grade MCLT you can do without fully tearing it. It was holding on by a couple of strands. Um, six weeks in a brace and then another four weeks after that. And I was back playing. So 10 weeks post injury, I was back playing. But during that time, Liverpool had come over and oh, I was just like, you've got it. Someone's taken the piss out of me here. Like, like what the hell is going on? But... I was lucky enough, like I could went and watch the game and went and watched my favorite club. But I was just yeah. like, oh, still in a, yeah, it still would have been like an yeah. incredible experience at all yeah. for like a Liverpool fan to watch yeah. Liverpool live in Australia. But it would have been mm. such a unique experience to be able to to play against them if you did. Oh, just even to get a call up to on the bench. Oh, or just let me sit on the bench and just take someone's jersey. I couldn't give a flying shit who it was, but just give me one of their jerseys. But that would have been cool. no, that was unfortunate. And then, and so then that f- was that was the. That was the MCL was the second season of no it was probably my oh I was probably into my third or fourth season yep. with the club because I was there for five and a half years. So, so where was that progressing? So after um, so I was out of school and whatnot. So yeah, 20, so once you yeah once you finished school, how did mm. yeah what was the progression with the raw like from those next sort of two years? Because you were like yeah like you said like a, you were a bit of a stalwart of mm. of that youth team and it was like okay like I'm being involved for a while now like your yeah. first year out of school, second year out of school like what's happening yeah. what's happening in those seasons and what indication did you get in those two years that you know the prefer like to be able to call, to be called up to play for the top team like yeah. when did you get that indication? Um, no, like I was training with the first team in pre-seasons um, mm-hmm. and then when they needed players in and I played a few pre-season games, but just locally kind of thing. Um, and then it wasn't until my kind of, well, I didn't know it was going to be my last pre-season with them, but I was doing pre-season with them and they had me in for the full thing and I was doing everything and um, kept playing through and then I was captain of the youth team. So I went back and played with the youth team for the eight weeks that we did that and then I was straight back into the first team. Um, then I started sitting on the bench more for the first team, and and this is the this like the A League season the of 2016, 2016 17. Yeah. yeah. So um, we made the Asian Champions League qualifiers, and I got named in the Asian Champions League squad, which yep. that was kind of a sign for me that it was starting to like I was progressing to be yeah. part of that squad um, while still being on a youth contract, and um. Yeah, what was it, like maybe January, February, it really started to pick up. We had a couple of injuries and I started being on the bench more and more and I was actually getting selected over young, like players my age that were on A-League deals and yep. I was like, cool. like, And then... And mate, we were getting so G'd up at this point because yeah. we, when we were like, guys, like everyone in Stanford was just getting so G'd up. It's like yeah. Camo's being named on the bench. We're like, is he going to play? Is he going to play? And like play, that yeah. few, like first few games, was like, nah, it's not going to nah, happen. Yeah, and it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I was grateful, but when you look back at it, I was kind of ungrateful in my attitude in the way that they're never going to sub a centre-back on, right? It's rare. It's, it's rare that they're going to do that. So I was just on the bench to be that defender that's, you know... That, that's if in there. case there's an injury. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then it happened to me a couple of times that um, there was an inju- injury, but they just put someone from the midfield into a left full-back position and then just subbed the midfielder on. I'm All like, right. shit, I'm not going to get my chance here. Yeah. Like, this is, this is crap. And like, I remember being in Perth and... 
Um, I was there just warming up and then someone got injured and I could have easily gone on and played in the back line, but they did that midfielder back in, someone else. I was like, I'm over this game. Like, I'm, I'm sick of this. This is like, this is, this is shit. So like, close, is, but yeah. without really being able to yeah. taste I'm it. I'm like, this is shit. Like, football sucks. <laughs> and it's like, it doesn't, but like, just in my mindset at that time, I was like, I've made it so far, but without doing anything. And then Luke Devere goes down and the game's too all. And then they're like, I'm just sitting there. And then the coach is like, hurry up, warm up. And I was like, hey, what are you on about? Like, and they're like, are you ready yet? And I was like, oh, I, I guess so. This, so this is, this is not Asian Champions League. This is, this this is, is A-League. A-League. Do you yeah. remember what round of the season it was or who, who, and who was that against? It was against Perth in yeah. Perth. So um, we were two all and I think I came on in the 80th minute and that's the worst time as a defender. I'm like, all I can do <laughs> the game's is precious ruin long. the game. Like, all I can do is ruin the game, see the headlines, Cristani, shit, like you've ruined the game. Like Raw hates you. So I come <laughs> horror, on. Horror debut. Yeah. So I come on and we ended up drawing the game and I was like, Hell yeah. That's a tick, mate. Done. Bang. Tick. And, and I th- I, that moment was huge for us because I can't remember where... We, we were out somewhere because I remember we were, hang- the, um, we were hanging out with, with Belly and a few other guys. Like, mm. I think Kev might have been there. Mm. A couple of our mates. And it started going around like this party or whatever. We were like, Cameron got on. Cameron got on. Like, he played mm. A-League. Like, that was, that's mm. the moment. Like, everything that you had worked for, yeah. like, your whole life, the, the effort that your parents <clears throat> put in taking you to Brisbane, like, mm. four days a week from year nine all the way up until year 12, the sacrifices that, obviously, that they'd made, but, mm. like, financially and, I guess, like, educationally on your schooling, mm. yeah. that, that, that was the tick. If you, if you didn't go any further... Like everyone still would have been like just as proud of of you. Yeah, but I guess you were still like you were able to kick on a little bit from there. Yeah, um, I think for me it really kind of set in. I was just sitting in the bus and had messages and people follow me on Instagram. I'm like, holy, holy I've got more than five followers. Nah. <laughs> um, I just and then mum and dad called me and they put me on loudspeaker and just the the enjoyment you like to hear from them. I go on like this is a way to repay them. And like, I, I, I can never repay them. I, I, I know no. I can't. I can't. Be, but they, they're such good people in the way that like, they couldn't give a, like a crap. Like they, they will go, nah, we didn't help you do this kind of thing. Like you did this. And, and um, just hearing the, the happiness in their voice and how excited they were. Just like mum just in the back. I'm so proud of you. Blah, blah, blah. That would have been, that been there, worth it. That would have been yeah, so worth just it. Just sitting there on the bus and I'm just like, ah, oh, fucking like this is the best shit like this is yeah like i've done something kind of thing and, and i was lucky enough that four days later we played an asian champions league game and um against wang chong like a thailand team they they, they got like the thai messy they called him and whatnot and yeah we drew with them um and you got you got a start in that, game. In that and, yep. and i played 90 minutes and it was at suncorp and so i was lucky enough that mum and dad and, and my brothers and whatnot and a couple of mates and what could come to a few of my games that i was involved in and um, so I went on and played a couple of A-League games and played a couple of Champions League games. And it was that it was that first Champions League game where it was Brenton Speed. Was it that the yeah. comments of Brenton Speed, the, the, the Fox Sports commentator, yeah. donned you with the nickname Granite Castani. And you did have an awesome game. Like, mm. we're, yeah, like I think there are still some highlights packages out yeah. there that yeah. sort of get shared around every so often with a few dominant tackles over that guy that they, taught, they call the, the time Messi. And mm. that was... That's when we, we were like, it was cool seeing you come off the bench against Perth mm. Glory, but when you when you got that start and I'm just watching Fox Sports and seeing you run around, I was like, this is this yeah. doesn't this doesn't seem real. Yeah, um, I thought yeah, I just 
like it's just unreal. Just I guess the atmosphere in those games because it's midweek games, you didn't really get to live the spectacle that you wanted to live. Um, but then we played Wellington, and it was just before we got we got smashed by a team in Korea a couple of days after the Wellington game. But you went to that game in Korea. I, play, I played that game. Yeah, <laughs> we got smashed, but um, yeah, we played Wellington, and and I had my family there. You know, and who just else was there. Yeah, yeah, I was there, mate. That was the first. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the family would have been good, but no, I, I yeah, I was, I was at that game as well because that was your, yeah, that was your home debut mm. starting in the in A League against, yeah, against Wellington Phoenix, yeah. and I remember seeing you out on the pitch and just being like this, I, like I like felt like a little bit emotional being mm. like we like played together from mm. like the early years. And it's like someone who's like my mate, like someone who is from Stanthorpe, just like our little town on mm. the border of New Queensland, New South Wales. Mate, you were out there yeah. doing your thing. And I was, yeah, yeah, so proud of you at that moment. Mm. An unfortunate um, end <laughs> to that game, some might say. Yeah, life goes on. But we, we just talked about the start where I could walk <laughs> out and see my family. Um, but yeah, unfortunate to that. And then, so I'm starting to play and whatnot, and I have the conversations with the coach, like, how am I going, blah, blah, all this, start talking. I don't have an agent, just talking to him, how am I going, kind of put it back on me and go, how do you think you're going? I'm like, well, I don't know, I can't gauge it, I'm just a young footballer, like, you're yep. the one selecting me you're over doing other the best people. You're um, And I'm getting selected over people for preliminary finals to sit on the bench and semi-finals, like, so I'm like, with, I guess everyone in that situation's going, well, I mean, with a shot here for an A-League contract, right? Like, surely, like, I'm... I'm playing over A-League contracted players. I'm sitting on the bench over A-League contract players. Like, I'm going to cost you minimum wage in a club that doesn't have much money. Like, surely this is somehow all making sense with someone that's been at the club for five and a half years. And then I go and have the discussion and they go, well, don't have an A-League deal here for you. We're going to sign someone that's uh, so-and-so who's 30-odd years old. And um, turns out he leaves the club after a year. But um, That was Avram yeah, Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Yeah, good, good footballer to his credit, but yeah not really looking at your, your youth at that stage. So um, then I just, yeah, I kind of emotionally call my time on Brisbane Raw. Um, so that was, so, you know, if we reset the whole thing that we've that we've gone through here, hmm. we spent all that time traveling QAS, Raw Youth, Captain Raw Youth, where like you have done literally everything that they've asked you to do. Hmm. You've got the call up to play Mm. In the A League, professional footballer, you're sitting on the bench mm. on top of blokes that uh, you know A League contracted. Yeah, like what more? What more could you have done? Like it just doesn't make. Yeah, it doesn't me. make any sense. Why? Um, like obviously, like Brisbane Raw would probably, I think they were confused in themselves as who they were as a club at that time. Like they mm. had, there was obviously a lot of injuries in their in their mm. backs at the time. Like they had to sign Avram Papadopoulos on a short term contract. Yeah. And it, yeah, I don't know. It's just that's it's just frustrating. Not not just obviously from you from a personal standpoint, but just mm. like I think without being so like too defamatory on mm. on Brisbane Raw, but just sort of the, the techniques that they went through to to have players like you on youth contracts, not even being paid a wage. Mm. The fact that you had to stop going to university to be a full time professional footballer. Mm. And you, you were earning more money from Centrelink mm. than you were As playing a grade. Yeah. That is such bullshit. Yeah, I guess it's 60 bucks a week to play in the, in the first no half. Ma- no match fees to play no, professional football. No, and that's, um, that's I think I was lucky, though, to get to that stage because um, Josh McLaughlin was my youth coach and the, the Aloises 
uh, from conversations I've had, they wanted to get rid of me that year before, before I you was even... made captain. Yeah. And Josh goes, nah, you'd like, you got to keep him. Like, just trust me. Like, I've, I've had him work with him at QAS. Like, I've worked with him here. Keep him. So I owe it a lot to him that having that discussion with them to keep me in that setup for that extra year. And I stayed there and ended up playing there. Um, so I was lucky enough with that. But then, yeah, just the way that it was all handles. I don't know if agents do it differently, but for me, just on a personal term, it's just like, well, okay, all right. So then from then, after having that discussion, I've gone, well, I haven't had a break from football in about five years. Um, I'm going to have a couple of weeks off and, and see mm. whatever happens, happens. So reflecting on your time at Brisbane, who were, because like playing for Brisbane Raw, that's a, like it was a championship side and there were still players around at Brisbane mm. Raw who were Socceroos. Like you obviously had John Aloisi as your coach, like coach, one of the, yeah. the, you know, the favourite yeah. sons mm. of, of Australian football. Who do you think, um, were there any players that you played with that you really mm. like appreciate the time that you got to, to spend with them or yeah. people that you think really de- helped develop your football and take it to another yeah. level? Um, I mean, I was really lucky to, to play alongside Jade North in, in a couple of the games that I got to play. Um, and he's just, the, the knowledge that he can give you is second to none. But yep. then you've got players like Matt Mackay, Jamie McLaren, um, you've got Brandon Borello, like all these, Luke Devere, all these boys are just ridiculous. Theo and like Michael Theo, Jamie yeah. Young as your goalkeepers. It's but, a pretty uh, star-studded team. Yeah, but yeah, I think the one player that really helped me that shouldn't have given a flying shit about who I was and what I did was Thomas Broich. A guy in his own right that should be playing Bundesliga football. Like, if he stayed in love with the game, he'd be playing Bundesliga football. Yeah. But here's a guy that's at the peak of his game in Australia, like, winning all these medals and whatnot. Arguably the greatest player to actually play in the A-League. Yeah, I agree. Playing in an attacking position, turning around to me, having discussions with me during training about my decision-making and and, and stuff like that. And really... But not just for me, he did a lot for a lot of people. and, And for someone of his caliber to turn around and do that I go Jesus Christ like what speaks volumes of the guys but, yeah, that's but how do the raw not keep hold of someone like him like you know he he did a lot for me and, and like even past players like James Donnickey and all those guys like he each had a bit to play in how I played but Jade North was a big help for me and, and Thomas Broich and then you got players like Matt McKay and that that just just help you around and make you feel welcome in the team and it's just like yeah. Geez, what more could you want? Like, what more could you want? Yeah, yeah. and what, it, what an experience, not just being able to get to that level, but to be able to immerse yourself in, mm. like, some quality, like, around some quality footballers who, yeah. even though, like, the raw dream did come to an end, yeah, mm. pretty unceremoniously at the end of that mm. season, like, it's, I'm sure it's still, it, like, you would you would do the whole thing over again yeah. if you had to. 100%, I'd go through everything again just to just to be there and do what I did. And, yeah. And so when... Felt. When that sort of came to an end, like you said, you took like a couple of weeks. What was your decision-making process after Raw was finished? Like we mm. know where you ended up and we know where you are now, but what went through your head when the professional, like, you know, you're basically on the verge of becoming like a full-time professional footballer. Mm. Yeah. And then it sort of just gets ripped out from underneath you. Mm. What was going through your head at that time? Um, and what, I guess, yeah, what led to your next move? I guess... Um that's probably where agents come into play. And for me, I don't know, I just felt like I just wanted to stay away from that kind of thing. Um, I just went kind of like, if I've done well enough, like people will find a way to contact me. Yeah. Like if I if I feel like I should be at that level or people feel like I should be at a level, people will contact me. And if, and if they don't contact me, then 
that's kind of like a, I can't really do much else. Like I, I, I can't go to a coach saying, hey, blah, blah, please sign me. Yeah, like, you're not gonna they go, like who that. are you? Like, I'm sure they would have seen me if they wanted to see me, and if they didn't want to see me, they didn't want to see me. Like they got better things to worry about. And um, so for me, it was just going to an environment that I can enjoy. I guess being like training and enjoy games and and somewhere where my family um could enjoy coming to watch games and, and somewhere that was close enough and, and yeah so the so we know that obviously that led to led you to to western pride mm. out at ipswich but was there any like was there any communication at all with any other a-league clubs between there like was there any murmurs or did you get put in front of any no nah, any clubs not really no i didn't like um when i was at pride i got go and train with like sydney and whatnot but those guys generally have their own recruiting process yeah. and stuff like that so uh i guess for me it was just going back to a to a, i guess a level below and and um yeah just trying to perform and, and and see what would happen and like i said like if people want to notice you in the mpl they'll notice you in the mpl and they'll invite you to trial and whatnot but, well there's, yeah. there's not really a better environment to be in if mm. you're not a professional footballer mm. If you're playing in the top league, you're yeah. giving yourself the best the yeah. best chance. So, so you start out at Western Pride. So the first season with Western Pride was twenty seven. Midway through twenty seventeen, I joined them, and they're coming eighth on the table at that stage. Right. So the season had already because st- yeah, their season through. is not the same. It's not fully aligned with the A League, is no, it? No. So when when you're at the Raw Youth, if I stayed there, I would have just continued to play MPL with them. Oh, the, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I joined them halfway through the season. Well, just before halfway because the transfer deadline cuts off at June. I don't know, whatever. So yep. I signed with them after having three weeks off. Trained with them for a week and lo and behold, Brisbane Raw used the first game that we play. And I go... Oh, you just want to beat like, these bastards. I just want to kick the shit out of these kids, right? <laughs> um, turn up, uh, train, did two or three sessions, go and beat the Raw Youth 6-0 and I don't think that there's any have... better way oh. to, I guess come over that period of, like period in my life, right? Um, so we go on and we win tw- uh, 12 out of 13 games. Um, That's a hot end to the season. Yeah, um, with the addition of like Harry Sawyer and, and whatnot. And, um, so we go through and, and Dylan Wenzel Halls was scoring goals at that stage as well. and um, Scoring bags of goals. Yeah, and we finish third and we go down to Gold Coast and, and we beat them. So, and then... I think Strikers played Morton Bay and Strikers were first, Morton Bay was fourth. Um, Morton Bay beat them, so it was, and we'd obviously beat Gold Coast, so we were the highest place finisher, so we got to host the final. So that was, that was the grand final was in the first season? My first season when I was there. I, 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 yeah, mm. for some reason I had it in my head that it was it was a second, so. <clears throat> no, so yeah, I joined. All the yeah. way to the grand final. So all the way season. to the grand final first season, and I scored the first goal of the final, and Obviously, that's not really well spoken about because Dylan Windsor Hall goes and scores Don't a free worry, kick. Don't worry, mate. I saw it. I was there. Uh, Dylan Windsor Hall goes and scores a free kick in the 89th minute to win a game 2-1 that most people would just think it was 1-0 because of the free kick. Um, but, mate, that free kick yeah, is nah, insane. Good free, good free kick, to be fair to the kid. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, to have 3,500 people out at Ipswich um, was a pretty good feeling because everyone's quite packed in and it was a good community. And there was a good... It. You could tell that it was a good... It was just a good vibe amongst that Western Pride crew mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of awesome young players going around. Like, obviously, Dylan Wenzel Halls has now gone on to play for, for mm-hmm. Brisbane Raw. The, I guess what was sort of talked about around that time was that the reason why a lot of the, you know blokes like you and a lot of these good young players were joining Western mm-hmm. Pride is because Ipswich had an A-League bid in, right? Did that... 
Did well, that influence that a lot was, of people's decisions to, to play for Western I think Pride that, at all? I think the A-League bid came in after I started there, but Carl Dodd was a, a big reason. Like A lot of guys went there, and a lot of those boys were at QAS with me previously. Yep. So Carl Dodd was a, a good coach there. Former and then, A-League player himself. Yeah. And then Graham Harvey became the coach there, and Carl Dodd was, oversaw everything. So Graham was probably one of the best coaches I've had. To date, but or they had they already had these boys playing in the MPL for two or three years. So even though they were my age or below, so already a good tight knit group that probably needed the addition of two players. And I guess that's yep. where Graham and Carl got like Harry Sawyer and I in. Um, and then yeah, so it was just it was more actually we we're a bunch of friends that wanted to win football and we just hated winning football. We'd go out on the piss together and and whatnot, which probably doesn't sound good for that level, but. <laughs> We it was just we, good, it was we just wanted to do it yeah. yeah we just wanted to do it for each other and and like the the ability to go and win a grand final and bring that to the to the like the to the area was good and then stemmed on from that there was talk about that A League bid yeah and that's why a lot of us boys well a lot of boys stayed for that second season there and we we ended up losing Dylan halfway through the year which we're losing lost 20, to to the A League right yeah, yeah we're losing twenty to thirty goals in a striker there right so. We ended up finishing, I think it was maybe second or maybe or third yeah, again. Yeah, I think you... And we lost to Olympic, Olympic in the semi-final. Yeah. And we lost to them 2-1 and um, we were probably pretty hard done by, but I think we exceeded a lot of people's expectations after yeah. halfway through that year. Um, so then I was still talk about that A-League bid and then um, then it kind of got... Can't, like the Well, they give it to Western United and MacArthur or whatever, whoever they gave it to. So after that... I was, a couple of the boys are just like, well, I've been here for four or five years, so it's time for me now to move on kind of thing. Yeah. Even though after signing contracts, which really didn't mean anything, you can you can get out of those contracts yeah. quite easily. Um, but I made the decision to stay on. Had a new coach come in and um, he ended up, did he was just, quite good. Did you just feel like, was the reason that you stayed on, because obviously all these other guys left to go to more competitive, like cause it was well, clear just, that... Yeah, they what, just went to like Lions and other teams in the so same what, competition. Did you feel like there was some kind of loyalty that you needed to show to the club or you just... I just thought like, out, of respect, that kept you there? out of respect, you sign a contract and and you should see that contract out. Um, and I just, yeah, I just thought that, like I said, yeah, I sign a contract and I'm going to stay there for the year. Um, that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I was just like, well, there's players leaving. We need players in this team. I'm going to stay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to abandon ship. And I had plenty of opportunities to do that. Clubs calling me, contacting me first couple of games, even before that. Come here. Come, I was like, nah, I'm staying here doing this. Yeah. So we had a new coach come in, and he had the vision of playing me as a six because he thought too small for a centre back, and I could be a midfielder. So he started playing me and, and in there and whatnot, and he was overseas six, coach. Six being a like a centre defensive centre, mid. Yeah, just a midfielder. Yeah. Yep. So, um. He had a vision of that and then he had visa issues and had to leave the club and so then Terry Kirkham took over and, and Terry's a, a good coach and like a really good coach that knows what he wants. He's well established and been unfortunate not to get his um, time in the top leagues. He's, he's plied his trade in professional leagues and under um, professional people so he's been unlucky um, not to be given a, a gig at an A-league level. He's coached three or four MPL teams up here, three or four down yeah, in Victoria right. so... So he was just a 20s coach at that stage for like our 20s team. So when that coach left and he kind of just had no decision, like, well, he was the only one with an A license. Like we either have to fold or he takes kind of the keys. And so he has to take over a team that 
he hasn't hand selected and and uh, to his credit he, he did well with the team that he was given no preseason straight into the the second or third game of the year um, so obviously he's working really hard behind the scenes with the connections that he's got and whatnot to try to find players that that are maybe unhappy and whatnot um, but yeah I went on and we we were in games but we weren't we were just playing with a really young side that we, we just didn't quite have like it's not like the effort wasn't there no. it was like when you compare like that team that you had that won the mm. championship and then obviously fell short the, the following year yeah it was just like the system was there the effort was there but it just didn't have the same level of talent yeah. on the park yeah and I think we were probably we, we were probably underdone in pre-season by our like previous coach that didn't really believe a lot in conditioning just wanted to be playing a lot playing football a lot um, so we were underdone in match fitness and like we were drawing two all with Gold Coast Knights and the 92nd minute and we lose a game 3-2 and they end up, they win the competition and, and we get relegated because we're equal points with someone else but shit a goal difference um, so you look back at moments like that and you're like god like if you could just see out a game like that and just take a point you it could take have that been point so different you take yeah. that point and run um, but yeah I think it was about for about eight six to eight weeks in that season um just had just niggly knee issue and and um every time i probably about 50 minutes into a game i'd go to turn sharply and i just i just couldn't i had yeah. to do a u-turn and i guess I, not because i was fat but just like <laughs> turning like a b-double truck like i just i just had to do it like i couldn't sharply turn and and that obviously affected when you're in the midfield and you're trying to turn sharply and whatnot. You just yeah. It's not like you're it. at the back where you can kind of not where I was a centre back and, and and Terry copped a fair bit of stick because he's going. Everyone's going. Cameron's a centre back, like playing at centre back, and well, Terry's going. Well, he's actually playing in the midfield and dominating the midfield, and we're trying to give him a chance to move on forward, like to a to an A league club or to a, a professional club. And giving him that option of having that experience of playing in another position. So, um, but yeah, I bit the bullet and decided to have the clean out done on my knee. And was this related to the MCL injury nah. that you'd had prior? Or was it nah? A it, new issue? Nah. The, it was just just from over overuse, I guess. Yeah. And and I just yeah tore the meniscus, had cysts in my knee, like cysts in my knee and cartilage damage. So it was just a clean out, and yeah. and it was a six week turnaround and kind of just decided there was the six hardest games of the season, I guess, in a, in a clump, in a kind of a way, and kind of looked at the draw and I went, well, we're going to struggle to win those games if I play or if I don't play. Um, so I might as well just bite the bullet and get this done now and, and hopefully give us a give myself and the team a run of 12 games in the back end of the season where we can hopefully turn it around. Mm. Um, so I got that done and Terry was able to make some signings that he wanted to make and to get some players over and, and we actually started performing and, and he always said it was going to be the last eight weeks that you'll actually see what he wanted to happen and well I think we ended up winning seven out of the last 12 and, and drew two of them and, and we fall short by goal difference in the end that close um, and yeah you just kind of look back on it and you look at the results it didn't go our way at like in other games but in games ourselves and we ended up getting relegated and um, and this is obviously this is the first season of of football Queensland instituting a, a top to bottom um, relegation promotion system, right? Yeah, I think it was, and they decided that it was going to be uh, three teams instead of a usual two team, right? Two team up, two team down, and we so, were the, we were the third team. Yeah. So you look at that and you go, oh, shit, because now this year 
it's only one team up, one team down. So it's like because they were trying to. Oh, even so it out. was. Oh, right. So they were trying to even out their numbers in QPL and in the NPL. Okay, right. So, um, yeah, I kind of, well, I was just like, well, I'm only 23. Um, you don't really want to be playing second tier. No, I don't really want to be playing QPL, and, and especially that I've played. I think worked out I played 132 NPL games. Um, so that's quite probably, a lot over that's not a long period of time no so it was I think MPL came in in 2014 or 2015 maybe so I'm, I was probably one of the top five or something that have played the most amount of games Jesus. in the MPL um, so I went yeah 130 odd games and I, I kind of had that discussion with the, the GM of Western Pride I said look I'd, I'd stay like but I'm, I'm, I'm aspiring to get back into professional football and I can't see myself playing QPL for a year that helping me yeah um, I needed was, to be he, in, was he understanding of, of your situation uh, I think he was just disappointed mostly because you don't want to lose a player I guess um, especially for them because they, they're obviously like you can imagine like a Premier League team getting mm. relegated like they know that you the top players are going to want to stay uh, you know going to want to stay in the in the top league top league yeah but for that team that get to get relegated mm. to want to come back into the mm. top league, they're going to need to keep like some good players. Like players, when we yeah. see like teams like Leeds, mm. who have you know recently been promoted, yeah, like they've got a they've got a gun team playing in the championship. That's why they've been promoted. That's so you'll often see that like in like I think like in the in the Premier League, seeing teams like Sunderland or like Portsmouth, like yeah. just go further and further down the league, just because well, once you lose one league, you lose like no one wants to play for you. Like no. so that's a losing <clears> team. <throat> You go down again. You well, go down especially again. Especially if, so. if those players have experience in that top league, like they, and and you got plenty. Like maybe if I was thirty four, thirty five, and I was almost done my career, then I'd go. Well, it's one last season. I'll cop it. Stay there. Finish it out. Thank you very much. Like I'm done. John Terry, Aston Villa style. Yeah, but um, but for me, I was twenty three, and I go. Well, just no chance. Like this is this is not what I want, and. I'm sorry, but that's football, and I've only got a career of another what ten years, maybe. If I'm lucky, I'm I'm not going to sit it, like I'm not going to hate the decisions I made, kind of thing. But during that time that I was at Pride, I had like chance, like well, chances. Like I got offered to go to trial in the Philippines and um, trial in India, and then the potential to go play in Iceland. But I was like, I'm not going to fly my own way over to Philippines when the teams over there hadn't even competed in the Asian Champions League. And I knew a couple of players that were playing over there. So my football resume was well above their football resume. So why should I have to go on trial in a league like that? So I was like, and money was very similar to being here. So like, why would I want to leave and go over there when I didn't really see an opportunity for oh, So the, the money itself was not too different from just playing Just playing MPL. MPL. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but it was a professional league over there. So I was just went, well, it's not going to help me. That isn't go and play in the second division in India I'm not like I'm not going to go play cricket That's... man like a, you know what <laughs> it's I mean? a huge like, that would have been an incredible lifestyle change oh, to big difference and it like the problem with going to India wouldn't have just been oh well like this is just you know it's the same as the NPL and money wise mm. it's like mate you're going to pick up and live a completely different different life, life in a in a different completely different culture like India's India is not one of those places where you can just like pick up and go and start living mm. like in New Zealand or yeah. or England, for example. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of like, risks there. Iceland was a very close, very very close to me going, and then they ended up signing a guy that's played fifty all the league games. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. Like guys played against Messi. Like see you later. Yeah, like, uh, he must be pretty handy. Yeah. So um, then it came to the end of 2019, and well, not the end, but probably the end of the season. So September time and. 
as, a, as every club does and they start contacting people and people contacting left, right and centre kind of thing and um, the relationship I had with Terry and, and I valued his opinion a lot and, and whatnot. Um, he'd, wor- he'd worked with Peninsula Power before and, and he's like, you've only really got two or three clubs in your mind that if you want to play professionally again that you should want to go to and that's uh, Lions, probably Olympic and, and Peninsula Power. Yep. They're probably the three that you'd really want to go to and um, I knew a couple of the boys at Penn Power and I was like, well, this is kind of me and I'm in the box seat, like, what do you have to offer me? I guess it was strange because I've never really been in that position before where I've had clubs now tell me what they want and I guess it's really... Yeah, so how, yeah how, many, how many clubs did you sort of chat with between Western Pride and, and signing for, for Penn Power? Well, it would have only been like two or three, but then, it, but then it's like you have a list of clubs that are going to contact you like and you kind of just go like appreciate it but like I'm not even going to engage in this like not even going to engage in this because I don't see you guys kind of but you don't you don't say that to them right you're just like thanks for it but I I see myself doing something else and going to another team and I've already had talks and blah blah like they're always going to message you and see where you're at like um so yeah like like I said you just kind of just kind of could sit back and they could offer me whatever they wanted to um but You've kind of got to, I don't know, if, you, if you're not experienced enough, you, you've got to see through their, their bullshit in a way. Like, they go, oh, I can offer you this, 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 and this is what we want to do, and I can help you get here and help you get there. But the amount of, um, I guess, success stories from coaches saying that to people, I've seen, like, none. Like, saying with my networks, I can help you get here and help you get there. Like, the only, the only kind of thing that I've had is the conversation with Terry who's gone, like, I can help you get to this club and it, and it's not like a I can help you get to freaking Real Madrid and shit like that it's more like more realistic more realistic person with it going saying like I can help you if you if you do good enough and you, you're not an asshole and whatnot like and give you a good reference and I can lead you to clubs that I've been at and have good relationships with people and stuff like that in the same league um, is this and, and when you're describing those clubs is that within Australia or is that some... Just within Australia, yeah. yeah. Gener- generally it is. And and I guess if anyone can offer you that outside of it, then why haven't they done it before? And, yeah. and what proof do they have it before? And you get a lot of these young kids and whatnot that, um, well, younger than me, that come out and they think that yeah, a coach has told them this or the technical director's told them this or the, or the president or whatever, and they go, ah, oh, yeah, I believe you then. And then six months down the track, they're, they're not performing and they're being dropped or not being paid and whatnot. And it's just like, well, hello, like... So you've got to pick your clubs kind of wisely and I guess that was probably my advice to a few people that had asked me. It's like, you've got to find a club that you think you'll enjoy your football at, that you, you'll know one or two people and you, you can have your in that way. Um, and then you just want a club where you can enjoy it and, and you can, I guess, develop as a footballer. So there's no point a coach going to you, oh, I can help you get to freaking, I don't know, wherever you want to go overseas. But what can you actually do right now that's going to help me develop and if I'm playing my best football, that'll handle itself yeah, kind of thing. And I right. figure that that'll handle itself. So you just want an environment where you can start playing your best football and be happy. So And you feel like you're you're receiving all of that as much as you wanted at, yeah, at Penn Power? This is, every, this is like the, the best situation that you could be in right now? I think so. I think everything that I had the discussion with them and, and whatnot, um, I think like I'm start like at the start, like... I probably wasn't playing my best football and that's probably just settling into a new group and, and trying to have everything sorted. But now, as I continue on and, and past COVID and whatnot, like I'm, in, I'm enjoying my football and 
I guess that's probably showing in my performances and, and stuff at the moment. So um, I couldn't speak highly enough of the of the club at the moment, and that's not just because I'm there. It's like I'm living and breathing it at the moment, and and they're doing everything right by the players and and whatnot. So I couldn't be. Do, are you getting similar vibes like to that to that Premiership season that you had at Western Pride? Is is there a vibe amongst the squad at the moment that you think you could be you know headed for a special Premiership win? Yeah, I think like I guess it's it's harder because it's a it's a full season. So the boys have had had a rough set first half of the season, but put themselves in a good enough position when I came to Pride that we could go on and, and sneak into into third spot or whatnot. So, but I get like I guess um, being in well, semi professional environment, like alcohol does become like drinking with the boys becomes a thing, right? But that becomes a thing that makes your team better in in the way that not from a sports science way or anything like that right <laughs> and i'm not like i'm not saying i know sports science but i know that drinking piss doesn't help you right but if you're able to say hey boys i'm going to the like going to watch a nba game at sporting globe or whatever who wants to join me and nine out of your 15 turn up you've got a half an idea that your squad enjoys being around each other yeah like that it's not a training session where people are turning up because they have to if you're able to message and say, oh, I'm doing this or I'm They're doing this. They're turning up because they want to. Yeah, they want to be, and they want to be around. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you can have that, you know that, and if you've got the talent there, you know you're, you're pretty much three quarters of the way there, and it's just 90 minutes each week that you have to perform together. But you know that people, when shit's going tough, that they'll do the job for you. And if you say something and you want them to do something, you've earned that respect, and, and they'll do the job for you. So, Unreal. Yeah. So where... We're getting towards the pointy end of this. Well, so it's still a few rounds to go, and then we've got finals coming up in a, mm. in a few months. Mm. That'll be the season. Let's just put ourselves into the future. Mm. Peninsula Power, take home the championship. Cameron Cristani, team of the season, which you could be in, in line for with the amount of team of the weeks that, that you're getting. But that's, that's, a, that's a perfect season. You take home the championship. Yeah. You can make the team of the year. Like, you're clearly, like, like in, I guess in current form, like, you're probably are in, in the top three or four centre-backs at least that mm. are playing uh, in, in the NPL Queensland. Mm. What happens next year? You're going to run it run it back with, with Peninsula? Like, you're still going to keep your ear to the ground with, with professional football? Like, obviously, you've got some career things in the works as well. Like, what what does the next, like, two or three years look for you, like, football and, and career-wise? Um, I guess, like you said, like, winning it's probably the first thing that I'd like. Like, I just who doesn't like winning big trophies and, and get to have a big booze up after it and like <laughs> that's what um, we play for that's what you play for no I think I think yeah like you said winning it and um, anything personal that comes along the way comes along the way and you get it you get it you don't you don't like it's at the end of the day you, you just want to win um, you want to be in finals football and whatnot. Um, potential power yeah like I mean I guess it's football like I'm enjoying my time there now but you, you don't know six months down the track you Lo and behold, could do an injury, and then you you football's done for you, and then what do you fall back on after that? Um, so for me, yeah, like potential power is obviously in my mind. Um, professional football's still a thing that I aspire to, and and if that comes along, it comes along, and I I'd be grateful for the opportunity, and I I wouldn't let it go. I'm just knowing what it was like being in it and being out of it, you know. Um, so the next two or three years, I guess it's just continue just to enjoy football because you. You, you're, you're done by the time you're 35, 36, like, and that's being generous, I guess, with you, if your body wants that's to if hold you, up. That's if you've had a good run. Yeah, yeah, I think 27, the way my body's holding up. Um, 
but no, I think, yeah, like ideally, I'd, I just want to be enjoying my football, um, staying injury free, I guess, in the next couple of years would be good. Like, and, and yeah, just, um, but I'll enjoy time with family and friends and stuff like that because what COVID's taught, I guess, a lot of people is a lot more outside of sport. Like, sport's freaking super, but you've just got to appreciate what you've got where you've got it. Yeah. Um, things can be taken away so quickly. So, um, just enjoying time with with mates and whatnot, and you've yeah, obviously but, got a, you've obviously got some nephews and nieces running yeah, around, at the moment. yeah, running around. Um, no kids of my own that <laughs> yeah. I know of. <laughs> but, that we know of. Yeah, we don't no, want to, we yeah, don't want to delve too deep. That's into a that. big bold italicized double underline. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but just yeah, it, I just I just want to continue that. I guess life as we know it at the moment without COVID would be great. Um, yeah, just. You get to, get to be around and play football, um, but yeah, ideally professional would be where I'd love to be at, and because I mean, there's no <clears throat> better feeling than being in that moment and and real like realizing a goal that you've worked so hard towards and people around you have worked so hard towards. Like, I've I've been there. I've seen what it's like. I, uh, I'd love to be back there, but in reality, and in, in Australian football at the moment, it's a really hard scheme to get back into. Mm. And if the, the B League becomes a thing, then that's an easier avenue to get towards, like the league just under the A League. So, um, yeah, if I can play professional football, I'll, I'll make a, a living out of it until I can. And, and, and if I can't, I'll find another way to make a living and, and enjoy life and, and just, I guess, be happy while I've got everything around yeah, me. Yeah, that sounds great, mate. I think that's... I think that's... You've, you go in the right way about it because mm. we're, when we're at this age, like I think a lot of us, like we've obviously got some friends who are like doing music and mm. we've got, you know, friends who are, you know, trying to play professional sports such as yourself. And it's like, while we're, while we're young, like just have a crack at it, yeah. mate. Like, it's not like, you know, like for myself, like I, you know, it's not like I was ever like, was anywhere near like trying to ever like imagine, like I think by the time I got to about 12 or 13 years old, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a professional. <laughs> like I love playing sport just as much as anyone else, but I, I knew pretty early on that I wasn't going to crack in. So I haven't really had, the thing to be like, oh, while I'm young, I'm going to do X. Mm. This is kind of it for me right now. Like, yeah. I'm working as like an accountant, and I'm like, bro, like this isn't like this isn't it, is it? Like, yeah. there's got to be there's got to be something else that I can use like my youthful energy towards. And for me, it's mm. like, well, I love sport. Like, I've always been to yeah. sports journalism, so like, I'm gonna have a crack at this. Have You're gonna have a be, have a crack at being a professional footballer. Yeah. We got mates like Kevin Collett and. Chloe Minogue who are you know getting stuck into their music it's like yeah. mate like what's the what's the risk of just having a go at this yeah. age like I think why not yeah like you said like if you've got something you've got the the ability and the facilities to, to have a crack at something like you're going to regret something if you don't have a crack at it that's it um, so you might as well just give it a red hot crack and then worst comes to worst you're just back to living the life that you're living I guess like do you know like there's no harm in having a go at something. and At least and you can say you've done it, eh? Like yeah. You'd be kicking yourself if you got to, you know, if you, if you just cut it right now. Like, imagine if you, like, at the time where you lost your Brisbane Roar, you're mm. like, no, nah, like that's done. And, like, athletes are like that. Like, yeah. some of them are. They're well, just like, well... That's um, like I said, like, earlier, like, a lot of people just fell out of love for the game. And, yeah. and you've just got to, f if you can keep kicking on and, and just get through the, the little shitty patch that you're ever in and, and get through it on the other side, um, then do it, like... But I was just fortunate enough to have friends and family around me that just supported me no matter what. And we touched on it earlier, like it, no one would have given a flying shit if I didn't make it to where I made it. But 
oh, I was grateful that I made it to where I made it, and and it was good that it was it would actually be able to give potentially people down the track from a country town a, a glimmer of hope of doing something in in a in a wider sc- like scheme of things. Um, any kid that wants to play sport, it, it's achievable. Like there's pathways to do it, and and if you really got the drive to do it, then like you'll achieve it. Just like don't let anyone tell you otherwise, and and you'll be flying. So um, I was lucky in that respect, and. I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity that I had and, and I'll still pursue that same opportunity. Um, whether it comes again, yes or no. But like I said, there's there's more outside of sport, but sport is a very big thing in this world and life would be a very, very dull world if there was no sport. And <laughs> That's I, I'm just lucky that I could earn a living out of sport and, and enjoy doing what I do. Speaking of Stanthorpe mm-hmm. and I guess like being an inspiration to the you know younger generation, so there's been a lot of kids that have played junior soccer over the last you know five or six you know well i guess since you've been in that in that raw system over like it's nearly like going on a decade that you've been involved from qas to yeah to where you are now mm. there's there's definitely like kids who are like looking up to you mm. do you ever see like how much do you want to get back to stantham and, and play one game for stantham united is that on <laughs> is that on the bucket list to to tick off one day yeah i think it is i mean they're like it's your hometown like there's no, I don't think there's um, anything greater than being able to go home and, and perform what people know you as. They know me as, as a footballer. So if I have the ability to go down there and play a game, I'll 100% go down there. I've tried, like, tried even at the MPL trying to get a game in Stanthorpe and whatnot. But, mate, I, I just think, like, yeah, the, the pride to be able to do that um, would be good. I have a smile on my face, as always. And, People can heckle me or whatnot, but at the end of the day, I'm there doing something that I grew up in the town and the community from, and I go down there and I always appreciate Stanthorpe for for giving me the base and, and the grounding for for what I've what I've got these days. So yeah, yeah, I think that would be that would just be unreal mm. to see. At least at some point in your career, you might be you might be well past your your MPL days, and yeah. coming back and still having a game would be would be unreal but i think yeah when it when you talk about stand up i think you've been a, a great role model for like a lot of the the younger kids who have come through that system like you've shown like this is just this mm. is this is possible mm. i think one of the things that's been like super impressive from someone like you and something that's probably helped you to remain grounded post like professionals that like you've gone to like the professional level mm. and you haven't lost like anything to do with stand up no you just like we are still like the same group of mates from school you're mm. still going back there during summer sometimes and, and playing cricket down yeah. there i yeah. don't know if pen pal knows about <laughs> that um you've still like we're still playing like nrl super coach together like it it's yeah. like as if nothing's changed and i think that's one of the things that we've always really appreciated about you is that it's like like you went and did the thing but you've mm. you're still level-headed like you're the mm. same like you're from stanthorpe to the core yeah and uh you know that's you know that's stanthorpe at its heart like yeah. that's you know that's what stanthorpe breeds and that's that's the professional athlete that we were able to produce and yeah. i think i think you should be super proud of that yeah i just think like um except for the night that i lost the bet and i had to wear my raw jersey to dunder on a night <laughs> out um, embarrassing yeah um yeah no i just think that's just what's i guess like I said, I was lucky enough to have the group of people around me that kept me grounded and a family that kept me grounded. So uh, it's not like I'm earning 60 million a year that I like can get a big head or anything like that. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's a, that's a big thing with anything. You've always got to have friends around you and family around you and, and just appreciate what, you, what you've got and everything like that. So, um, but like, yeah, I was lucky enough to have friends like you and, and Kevin Belly and whatnot and, and Alistair and whatnot. So for me, it was, um, I don't know why I'd want to go away from you guys. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of people that would. That have uh, a lot of reasons. Yeah, except I'd have to buy every round of drinks because you tight ass people <laughs> counting dogs. But no, um, no, like I, I don't really know um, what to say except for like I just appreciated everyone from Stanthorpe and and everything that they've ever like said about me. Good, bad, nice, ugly. I don't. It doesn't really bother me because um, ultimately Stanthorpe's a hometown for me and. I appreciate everyone's support and, and it was overwhelming to see the amount of messages and, and everything from people from Stanthorpe. Um, and they can continue to still stay in touch and, and talk to me. You know, they see me down the street and whatnot because after all, we're all human beings and, and life goes on, like I said, outside of sport. So um, it's not like I've found a cure for cancer or anything. I'm just, just a regular guy. So. Just played a bit of football. Just, just a, a bloke who likes to play football. Exactly right. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, Camo, thank you very much for, for joining me on yeah, episode mate. one of Bond's Backyard. Mate, it was an absolute pleasure. Good luck yeah. for the rest of the season. No worries. Um, and let's hope we see you back out there playing professional football at some point. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure to be on the uh, inaugural episode. And maybe the <laughs> one and only episode. The one and only, who knows? <laughs> no, but I, I appreciate your time and, and sitting down and having a yarn and anyone who listens to it. Appreciate the yarn and get behind Bond. He's having a good crack here and uh, make sure you share his, like, share his subscribe, page. Like, subscribe, follow YouTube. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Camo. No Cheers, Thanks. mate.